I refuse to be a victim. I refuse at this ability to to limit my 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 uh, abilities. The only limitations it's only what we tell to ourselves. Hi and welcome to the second episode of Alumni Stories, a podcast produced by the Swedish Institute looking into the achievements and life stories of Swedish Institute alumni. So we are now entering the my favorite area of Lund, which called uh, Lundagord. This is Mohammed Nasrini uh, from Aleppo, and, uh, Syria. He's an SI alumni, now living in Lund, where he works as a lab technician at a small pharmaceutical startup company. He's given me a guided tour around the city. It's a cold and windy day in February. Especially in the summer, you see a lot of people here uh, enjoying the sun. Mohammed is riding his mobility scooter. When he was 16, still living in Aleppo, he fell from the fifth floor of his apartment building and became partially paralyzed in his lower body. A few years later, after having fought his way back from the injury, the Syrian civil war broke out and he had to leave the country. In this episode, I talked to Mohammed about the importance of determination when all odds are against you. It was a summer night, actually, and it was uh, a peaceful night. And uh, uh, I it's went 2005, and Mohammed's family are eating out at a restaurant. It's owned by the military, and they required him to show his ID in order to get in. So he went back to his house to get it. I went up to the to the uh, to the fifth floor, and uh, to, to but the door closed on me. So I had to cross the the the, uh, the other. Uh, side of the of the roof so i slipped so i fell from the fifth floor it was like uh, i don't know 25 30 meters luckily i i fell on a water tank not on the ground so my my head came out i got many fractures actually in my legs in my in my spine in my arm uh, so uh, it was i survived in a miracle actually because it was horrible it was really horrible when Mohammed woke up in the hospital, two weeks later, he didn't realize how bad the injury was. I thought, it's just uh, uh, fractures in my legs. I will be fine. I will go again. I will join, uh, you know, I will walk and I will uh, swim. I will do whatever I want to do. So it's just uh, uh, fractures. I didn't realize it's a permanent uh, damage until I touched my legs. And when I touched my legs, I didn't feel anything. And then I asked my sister, why I don't feel my, my legs? And she couldn't answer me. And then the doctors were saying that you have, uh, you did uh, an operation in your spine and you have spinal cord injury and you might not be able to walk again. Mohammed's first year after the injury was challenging. Long and painful is the words he uses to describe it. At the beginning, it was so hard to face uh, you know, the people that you know, the streets that you were, you know, running in. in, in. Now you are using it or you are in these streets with wheelchair. So it was for me difficult to, you know, to accept or to imagine myself how I was and how I become. Uh, and that was so difficult actually to accept, so sad. I cried many times that, that how come I will not be able to to play football with my friends or to... It was really tough. Not a lot of friends, actually. Many friends left me. I felt so alone and depressed. Uh, 
was only my family and very few friends who were visiting me every now and then. And even I didn't have the... Uh, I didn't feel, you know, ready to get back to my studies or to study again. This was the first year. It was so tough in many ways, you know. Uh, until I reached the point that, yes, if I stay like that, I will not uh, be good. It affects my health, my mental health, my physical health, my improvement. So I have to do something different. I have to, I have to accept it and, and go on in this life. Um, uh, so the motivation uh, started to, to be more and more. And I started to, uh, uh, to work more on the physiotherapy, to work more on the training. Uh, and uh, to read more books, uh, to back get getting back to my uh, studies, and and then step after day after day, month after month, I was able to study and uh, uh, to go to the exams and to pass my uh, high school exams and to to start my life again. Mohammed went back to school, got good grades and went to the University of Aleppo for a bachelor's degree in bioengineering. He finished his studies in 2012, passing his exams with flying colors. A year earlier, things started to get turbulent in Syria with protests against the Assad regime. Mohammed sided with the protesters. Uh, so I started to, to write in, in Facebook. I started to, to, to share uh, some uh, stories or uh, some... Uh, you know, uh, demonstrations here and there and some uh, words against the regime and against against the dictatorship uh, from the, the beginnings of this uprising. Uh, and I wasn't afraid, actually. Uh, uh, but also at the same time, I was uh, careful. And then in 2012, full war broke out in Aleppo. My neighborhood one was among the, the first neighborhoods that got bombarded. So I had to, to, to flee, actually. So the moment I, I left my, my home, uh, it was horrible. And I still remember those, those moments where me, my mother and my brother putting uh, you know, some stuff all together, getting, uh, put, taking the most important uh, stuff, the passports, the documents, uh, with the hope to get back after a few days. Uh, and at the same time, during these moments, uh, the, the, the helicopters... Uh, uh, and the warplanes uh, were bombarding our neighborhoods. And everyone in the neighborhood was in, in a mess, you know, like hurrying up to, to, to just flee to a safe place. When did you realize you wouldn't be able to go back? It was exactly when the, uh, uh, the whole neighborhood was taken by the, the rebels and when the regime actually started to, to bomb the neighborhoods with, with warplanes. Uh, and with explosive barrels. So I thought our home is gone, and so now we don't have home, we can't go back. So, and the situation is going to be even worse and worse. And it was actually like that. Mohammed and his family went to his brother in the United Arab Emirates. But Mohammed couldn't stay there for more than a year because of the strict visa requirements, and he had a hard time finding a job which would have allowed him to stay and gotten him a medical insurance. When I came to the Emirates, I'm, I'm not, uh, yes, I fled my country due to the war, but uh, uh, I arrived in the Emirates with, with a hope for a new life, with a hope to find a job and to be independent uh, and to start a new life. But unfortunately, uh, I faced the, those obstacles. 
And when, whenever I go and I ask for companies or for, for help from, the, from the, the government to support me look uh, to find a job, uh, they say uh, our laws and our uh, you know, uh, uh, capabilities are only for our locals. Local. And yeah. since I am not local, so um, I don't have the same right as the, 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 the locals there. So that's that was really annoying and, and made me feel really sad. While living in Emirates, a friend told Mohammed about the Swedish Institute scholarship program. At that point, Mohammed had focused hard on improving his English and had been looking at different master's programs around Europe. He found a master's program at Lund University in biotechnology he liked and applied to. Two months later, he heard back. Uh, and Friday afternoon and uh, 5th of April, I don't forget this date, uh, uh, the results or the names uh, came out. And uh, I saw the list and until I saw my name. And it was something really, I can't describe how, how amazing and how, ha- how happy I felt. Even my mother cried, I cried, because it was something really amazing happened. From being depressed, being sad, being uh, disappointed, to being hope, uh, full of hope and, 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 uh, and motivation and determination, uh, I started a new journey, actually. I started to prepare myself about Sweden, to read more about the, the life there, the weather. What was your image of Sweden before you came here? Well, uh, I didn't know a lot of, Swe- a lot of, a lot of uh, about Sweden. Um, just a country uh, uh, in one of the Scandinavian countries, uh, which is always uh, cold uh, and dark, uh, uh, but at the same time, uh, it's always top uh, on the on the ranks for human uh, development and human rights and equality, uh, and uh, uh, you know taking care of uh, uh, people uh, with with all kind of differences, uh, disabilities, LGBTQ community. At Lund University, Mohammed focused on industrial biotechnology, a subject which motivates him not only because of his own injury. Uh, I did my masters in the. Uh, Lund protein production platform uh, and I worked uh, on an enzyme uh, that has a potential to be used uh, in cancer therapy and uh, it's actually the hope even for me to uh, to find uh, a cure for many diseases cancer, Alzheimer, spinal cord injuries uh, and uh, I was really interested and inspired to study this field because I saw in this field hope for me and for a lot of people who have uh, serious diseases and problems. And I see the importance even now more and more because due to the war in Syria, we have hundreds of thousands of, in, of, people, of injured people, uh, amputees, people who got injuries uh, in, in their spine, uh, and they need uh, help, they need rehabilitation. So uh, the hope for me is uh, fighting paralysis and finding a cure for those people. Two weeks after Mohammed arrived in Sweden, the Assad regime attacked the suburbs of Damascus with chemical weapons. The Swedish Migration Board responded by ruling that all Syrians fleeing the country to Sweden would be granted permanent residency. The migration laws have changed since, but Mohammed was granted permanent residency, and it's impossible for him to say now when he will be able to go back to Syria. Unfortunately, the situation in Syria uh, doesn't seem to be... uh... Uh, stable or doesn't seem to to end soon. Uh, it takes actually years. Uh, so uh, 
but uh, I I hope that one day in the future I will be able to to go back to Syria. Because you you said I read uh, your uh, profile on the SA blog and you said you want to contribute to rebuilding Syria. Yes. How, how do you see yourself doing that? Well, uh, I see myself doing that by bringing all those experiences that I have in Sweden. Uh, all the things that I have learned, not only in my field, but in in, in other things, the values, the 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 uh, the openness, uh, the the rights, the uh, all the the beautiful things that uh, I have learned, uh, I would I would really like to share it with others and to bring it back to my country. I believe that I uh, I am the hope for the future, not only me but other uh, people who are. Uh, working hard on themselves and uh, doing, uh, improving their uh, professional uh, career. Those we need these experiences in the future. We need that. The country will will need th- those experiences and and those expertise to to help uh, building the the country for a better future that we really deserve. During his time in Sweden, Mohammed has been participating in many events related to the Syrian conflict doing a great deal to explain what is happening in this country to other people. Like here in Lund University, they organized uh, two, three events about Syria. Uh, the Center for Middle Eastern Studies organized a uh, t- uh, 48-hours Syria uh, program uh, to introduce uh, the Swedish, cu- the, the Syrian culture and, uh, uh, you know, talking about different aspects of the Syrian uh, community, culture, uh, about the war. Uh, so... Whenever there is opportunity for me to participate in something related to my country, uh, I will definitely go for it. Mohammed has also taken a big part in the Swedish Institute's network for future global leaders. It's been important to him, partly as a way of getting a firmer grip of Swedish society. Being part of the uh, network for future global leaders uh, was one of the most important things that uh, that I was involved in during my studies in, in, in Sweden. Uh, because this network uh, brings uh, uh, together all students from uh, uh, Swedish Institute uh, and uh, from different universities in Sweden, from different cultures, different uh, nationalities. Uh, and um, you share in this network uh, a lot of experiences, a lot of stories about human rights, about sustainability, about leadership, about innovation. So uh, you learn a lot Uh, uh, from this network besides what you learn in the classroom, in your study. Mohammed has been through a lot, but it always comes back to the importance of self-determination and a need for openness to new opportunities. Things haven't always been easy for him, but he knows what he wants. This is one of the things, whenever I have problems, I just remember that one day I was about to die uh, and I'm here alive. The doctors were saying that uh, I will not be able to walk again, I will be only in the wheelchair, But when I visited the doctor after six months, he was surprised that I'm walking using crutches. So I have to continue my path. I have to to do my best. Thank you for having listened to Alumni Stories, a podcast produced by the Swedish Institute, highlighting the life stories and achievements of Swedish Institute alumni. In this episode, we talk to Mohamed Nasrini from Syria, now living and working in Lund. My name is Victor Lavgren.